Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Sales Show by Sell Better. I'm your host, Leslie. And if you have been here before, welcome back. If you are new, we do this every single day, free sales content. You can check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan the code on your screen. We could not do this without our phenomenal partners and sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Apollo and by Gong. There will be a link in the chat for you right now to an awesome download that you can get, especially if you sell to CFOs or finance gets involved in your deals. Go check it out. Link over here in the chatty chat. And while you're there, if you could change your chat, there's a little blue box, the down arrow, click on that and change it to everyone so that everyone can see your phenomenal comments as we start off here. Today, we're chatting about how to keep your prospects more engaged throughout your sales process. And to do that, I have the one and only phenomenal Sarah Brazier from Gong. Hey, Sarah. Hello. How's it going, Leslie? I'm just super. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I went, I worked out this morning. Uh, my arms really hurt because it was an upper body workout. And I made some cold calls this afternoon. So it's a great day. It is a great day. Any day with cold calling. And like now your arms, you can just hug your prospects and keep them engaged. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it's for, right? Um, just a quick peek at the agenda. Sarah and I are going to go through like mutual action plans. What's a mutual action plan? Why are we using it? How to use it in conversations? Sarah has some awesome techniques and how she uses it with pilot programs specifically. She's going to give us some sneak peeks behind the scene of Gong. And then just how to make it feel more like a partnership in your deal. We're keeping people more engaged throughout the sales cycle. Ready? Are you guys ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I want to do a quick poll to see who's in the room so that we know who's here for this conversation and we can maybe tailor it. Um, but Sarah, tell us really quick, what's your role at Gong? I am a mid-market account executive that specifically is working in the business financing space. So I talk to alternative lenders, um, people in credit unions, um, wealth management, kind of all anything that has to do with like dollars and selling money or managing money. I'm working with those people, which is a new role for me. Typically, I was selling to SaaS, SaaS companies, CROs and SaaS companies. So, Major difference, like one takeaway? There's a different use cases for Gong, sort of a different application and um, different uh, different way of like receiving cold outreach, as in it's much harder to get a hold of these people. So I'm yeah. I'm trying to think creatively about ways to get in front of of my prospects. So it's an awesome cold calling block. Let's see who's in the room. We got a more than half of the attendees here today are AEs. So. You're talking to another AE. It's great. Great. I love it. I do too, right? I want to I wanna bring us back to why. And um, you and I were chatting about this ahead of time when we were talking about mutual action plans, mutual success plans, whatever you would like to call it. And um, some of like 
the key reasons why we do a mutual action or success plan. You had some data, right? I gotta let me see. I'll pull yeah, it up here. It's in it's in a slide. Essentially, it's a it's a challenger sales stat that I actually got from Daniel Ryan, who works over at Align. Um, and basically aligned, if you go to alignedup.com, you can use it for mutual action plans or mutual success plans. Um, but he told me, according to Challenger, 30 to, it can increase your win rates between 30 and 50%. So if you are sitting around kind of banging your head against the wall and um, you're trying to do le- more with less uh, because there are just less people who are interested in buying, um, if you want to increase, increase your close rates and your chances of hitting your quota this quarter, start using a mutual action plan if you're you're not that's a big thing no you win more (laughs) it it's huge it's huge and i think like mutual action plans can be um really static and here just like prescriptive to a prospect or a client or can be completely customizable but one of the things that i hear over and over again i would love your take on is like coming back to your discovery and how you utilize that as you're going in to build a mutual action plan or a mutual success plan. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, so so a little context behind how Garland's sales cycle works. We were a software product um, and we are not product-led growth. So that means if you want to use... Um, gong then you probably have to talk to a salesperson and then we will trial it with you in order to build out the business case to secure budget so um if you're going to trial gong there's a bunch of steps that need to take place in order for us to get everybody on board to get all of the stakeholders involved to say yes if you think about like uh selling today organizations have become more flat which means that there's more decision makers involved in a deal than ever before and at Gong, my win rates significantly increase when I have at least four people involved in a deal. They drop down mm-hmm. to 10% if I only have three. So a mutual action plan, someone asked to, asked to define what a mutual action plan. It is an agree, it's a map. It literally is a map of, hey, we're here at the starting point and we're trying to get to the finish line, which is you, a paying customer <laughs> that is using our solution to solve specific challenges that you have. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that have to take place, right? You have to figure out what's the business case. Do we have the budget? What's the timeline for launching this? Um, what are our, you know, what are the legal implications? What's the security review if you're selling software? A lot of times that t- that happens. And um, how do we get through this big che- checklist of things and get all the different stakeholders involved uh, and make them happy about the things that they care about? And if you're just doing that on the fly, you're winging it, you're writing a note down, you're sending an email, you, you're you not going to be able to close the deal because you won't know where you're going as the account executive. And even worse, your champion and your buyer won't know where to go. And if somebody else is uh, running a competitive sales cycle next to you and is using a mutual action plan, they're probably going to win the deal just by way of being more organized. So I, I think it feels like it feels more leading in a way. So when I've been sold to using a mutual action plan, like both sides of the equation is the buyer and the seller, you you want to see what's coming next, right? You want to know they don't buy Gong every single day or whatever software you're selling or service or product. 
And so leading them, like, here's where our ultimate goal is together, it just feels better. It's like if you're stepping into the unknown, you're like walking off a set of stairs into the darkness versus if you can see the entire staircase down, you're like, oh, it's not as scary, right? Right. And and the thing to keep in mind is that your buyer didn't wake up saying, I'm going to buy gong or I'm going to buy <laughs> whatever. That's not what they're doing, right? Uh, if you're thinking about lending, you know, you're selling money. They didn't wake up and say, I'm going to borrow some money today. Like that's nobody's thinking that. Uh, what they're actually thinking is I need money so that I can buy a tractor or I can rent a tractor for for the harvest for my farm. That's what they're thinking about. Or when someone buys gong, they go, oh my gosh, uh, only 20% of my reps are performing at full quota and I have a large team and I need to change that. Otherwise, I'm going to miss my revenue goal and I'm going to get fired. How do I fix this problem? And by asking themselves, like, what's the job to be done and how do I fix it? They're going to stumble across Gong, whether it's from outbound, outbounding from our SDR team or by doing some research on the internet. Uh, regardless, they're going to research you no matter what. And then from there, they're going to come to you and you're, they're going to start a conversation. Yeah. And so that's why the discovery process is so important because you as the account executive, you know, your goal even if you won't admit it to yourself, is that you want them to become a paying customer, but you want them to become a paying customer because it's going to solve their problem. And and that's why you really have to like, I, I think of working my, my we call them mutual success plans at Gong, but you can call it a mutual action plan. Yeah. But I think of, of working that plan through the lens of what is the job that my buyer is trying to get done and how do I enable them to do it better so that they can reach their goals? And the more stakeholders you have involved in a deal, the more you need to think about that from lots of different lenses. Mm. Um, I'm going to be selling to the CRO, the VP of sales, sales managers, uh, revenue operations or sales operations. Um, maybe IT gets involved at some point. All of those different people have a different problem. It might be part of a larger strategic challenge, but they have a different problem. And I'm trying to, trying to address all those needs to the best of my ability. I think it probably until is this true for you, like it creates an accountability layer as an AE as well, because now you're seeing it and you're putting yourself in each of your buyers seats. And it's like, yeah. does this help them solve that issue? Yeah. And the only way to know that is if you get on the phone with them and talk to them about it. So magic. <laughs> yeah. So so when you before you for you like your first call, you run your discovery call about what are your problems and then you're also going to run a, a, an additional discovery around like when you bought software like this in the past, who gets involved? What what mm -hmm. happens? And then if you use Gong and you use Apollo, Gong will actually recommend different contacts for you to reach out to that typically have sway over your sales process. And you can use Sales Navigator or a phone or an email to reach out to them and get them involved. Or you can enable your champion to bring you to those people. But you want to get all those names out. You want to kind of start thinking about like typically when I sell, who's part of the process yeah. and uniquely for this company when they buy, who's part of the process. Because, you know, you might end up working with a procurement team when typically you've been doing commercial sales and the businesses you've been working with don't have procurement yet. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So when you get to that point, and you're you're ready to move forward, either a pilot or they're ready to take the next step. They're asking you what to do. Um, how do you know when a mutual success plan is like when it's time? You ask. 
So, so, Already? You know, so if I'm doing like, um, yeah, if, I, if I'm running a more commercial sales cycle for Gong, um, this is like usually like two or three calls into the process. We've done discovery a couple, we've run a couple of discovery calls with mutual, with different stakeholders and we've run one or two demos, right? And uh, at the end of those calls, I usually ask them something like that. Hey, scale of one to 10, 10 being, man, I wish I bought this software last year. And one being, what a waste of time. I don't ever want to talk to you again, Sarah. Where are you falling? And then they'll tell me a number. It's rarely ever 10. If it's 10, then I say, great. Who do I send the DocuSign to? Uh, <laughs> I'll take your card now. Yeah. So then, so they, they say, they say, it's whatever number. And I ask them why. And then we make a game plan from there. Okay, how do we close the gap between your six and the 10 or your eight and the 10? Well, usually it comes down to price or they say something about price. I just don't know if I can secure the budget. And I say, well, if it's a question of budget, then what we should probably do is run a proof of concept to prove out the value and justify the investment. Mm. So then we start talking to the mutual success plan. So there's a slide that you have and... Um, it's like a timeline of activities. Yes. Success that criteria, up. that one? It's no. uh, maybe. Pull it up and I'll tell maybe. you. Yes we'll no. see what's up. We'll Otherwise, see if that's the right one. Surprised. They'll be surprised. Yeah, it'll be a shot. Not that one. It's like, it's like the dark purple in the background. This one. This one. High level pilot plan. Beautiful. So when they say that they're in, they're like, they're, they want to build a business case, I say, great. Well, this is typically what how we do that at Gong and we'll run a pilot or a business assessment or you you pick your poison for what word you want to use to say a trial. And I walk them through what the steps are. And uh, the first is that we're going to agree to what will make this a successful pilot. And we're also going to figure out who else needs to be involved. So I'll run discovery more around their internal buying process. And I'll ask them like, ultimately like whose budget is this coming out of? Do you know? You don't. How do we figure that out? How can I work with you to, to help you with that? Okay, great. And I ask them to be involved, to get everybody who has influence on the purchase to be involved in the mutual success plan that we're going to build together for the pilot. Hmm. Um, and the reason for that is I kept losing deals. <laughs> I was running pilots with people who are like, yeah, I really want this. And I was like, great, let's build a business case. And they'd sit down with me and we would come up with a mutual success plan and run a proof of con and run the proof of concept. And then we would be like, okay, it's over. We hit all of the metrics. So you should buy right now. And they'd be like, well, actually, I have to go ask my boss. Be like, oh, wait, you didn't ask your boss? We spent two weeks together <laughs> working on this thing. And 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 they didn't even know that we were running this trial. So I always ask that and I ask them. To to that person who's going to be making the the economic buyer to be part of this final, uh, this final plan for the mutual success plan. It's then I walk, yeah, um, and then I walk them through things like, hey, we're going to do our configuration. Who needs to be involved for that? Typically, it's going to be a Salesforce admin, and you know, or someone from IT. And then we walk through all these things and we schedule it out. And we always get this stuff on the calendar, but. Yeah, if someone says that they're they're like they're invested in Gong and they really want to try it out and and they and they know that it's going to solve the problem, uh, then I'm going to run a pilot and I'm going to do this. Or if they're evaluating one of our competitors, I'll say, well, you you really need to check out Gong. And 
the proof is not going to be in the pudding of this demo instance with phony data in it. It's going to be when you can see your own calls in Gong and you can take action based off those calls. So those are the so, things I do. I, I saw a question pop up from Andrew and I think now's like a really good time to answer it, if you don't mind. Yeah. And he said, have you ever gotten resistance from a client when you go to use a mutual action plan or a prospect? And how did you approach that or like get around that objection? If you bring this slide up and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go through all this. Is that, that's a red flag. <laughs> so I won't bring this Yellow slide flag. right away. So, so say like we've done a couple of demos. I say, hey, like, where are you at? They're like, yeah, we, we want to move forward with Gong or we think we want to move forward with Gong. We have some hesitations. I recommend a pilot. And then I just talk through it. I don't pull up the slide. I say it's, it's relatively simple process. It's two weeks. Um, we're going to integrate with your telephony system and your dialer uh, and your web conferencing. We're going to do a training with your reps. And then I'm going to talk them through like what the time investment is. If someone says, oh my gosh, this is too much. I don't really want to do it. Well, great. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do it. Or hold on, wait, didn't we just spend like multiple hours together with you telling me that this is like a multi-million dollar problem that you have? that's really affecting your bottom line. I guess I'm confused. <laughs> like, can you help me understand like why you're uncomfortable running the proof of concept when you have this challenge? Is there something bigger? Is there a bigger problem in, in front like uh, that you're trying to deal with? Is there something more important? And then rerun discovery because that's what we need to focus the the proof of concept around. Or and they, it's not a good time. And then I don't waste my time running a pilot when they're not going to buy because that's a lot of work for me. Right. Which is such a good thing to be introspective about because usually it's just like, oh, just push to the push to the pilot, push to the pilot. But having those little yellow flags or those red flags can be like saving everyone time and heartache and end of the quarter stress, right? Yeah. Um, I think too, like even if before even if it doesn't have to accompany a pilot, maybe they just want to jump past all of it. Do you ever move past that proof of concept if that's part of their pushback or their objection. It's just like, well, I don't want to go through all this. Can we just buy it? Yeah. You saying no to a credit card? You turn them down? No. I say, sure. <laughs> I say, What's the process? Are we going to run into any issues? Like if you say, if you go to your, say it's your CEO who's going to approve the budget, your CFO, if you go to your CFO and you ask them for $50,000, what's going to happen? What are they going to say? Are Like what objections are going to come up? Right. And there's going to be a lot of objections. You're concerned about it. All right. Well, if that's the case, then if if they say no, will you will you feel confident asking them for a proof of concept to prove out the value instead of just walking away? Right. Yeah. I, I would feel confident doing that. Cool. Do you need me on that call? Can I back you up in any way? Great. All right. I'll come to the call. Or when do you think you'll have that conversation? I'm going to block off time on my calendar. Just ping me. This is my cell phone number and I can always come in if you need me. Love or, it. You know, like, you know, you can you can come up with different ways, but like if they don't want to do the work, you can ask them why. And and if they just want to buy, great. But do they have the authority to buy? And if they don't, then we're probably going to have to run a proof of concept or you need to bring in your CFO. We need to run a demo for them or you need to bring in your CRO or whomever. But we need to have some kind of conversation with them to convince them of value. And if they say, sure, we don't need a proof of concepts, then great. That's really fun. Like, what's the yeah. security review? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, yeah. 
it's important to know like you're using it in conjunction with this uh, trial proof of concept, whatever. It depends on your product. It depends on your software, your service. But this could be used with whatever that looks like for you. If they have to go do anything, if they have to gather anything on their side, putting together a timeline or this like, here's our next steps and here's what we're going to agree on to continue can be used in any part of the sales process or any sales organization, whether you do a trial or not. Yeah. Another really important thing to do is try to get the go live date that they have in their minds. Beautiful. Because you need that number one for negotiation purposes later, like especially if they're going to start asking for a discount or whatever, or, you know, like you need that because you, you ultimately, like something is going to go wrong in your proof of concept, something, you know, things go wrong um, or they're not going to know everything about their process. Like I, I ran a pilot that was, it was a six figure deal and I had been working with literally probably like 30 different people from this company mm-hmm. and they were like, yep, we're ready to buy. We're ready to sa- sign the contract, send it over. And I had asked them multiple times, like, what's the buying process? Like, do you have a procurement team? Like, what does that look like? And they were like, no, 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 we should be good to go. Send it over. They signed it. Then they emailed me and they were like, actually, we weren't allowed to sign that. And you have to talk to our procurement team. Well, well. <laughs> it's like, oh. And I was like, um, uh, do we hold you accountable to this signed contract or do we play, do we play nice? We played nice. And then two weeks later, we closed the deal or like a week later. Oh, we good. But we basically like then got to hold them accountable, accountable for that action. Because I was like, hey, you've been on this pilot. Like we, we, ha- we had to turn it off. Like right. now you don't have access to this data. I'm getting emails from your team. Your team is emailing your procurement team asking like, when do we get this turned back on? Um, that's a nice, that's a nice little side bonus from having it, right? <laughs> yeah. Is there a way that you phrase the go live that gets you like the best response? I've seen quite a few different questions to be like, when do you want to ha- be up and running? And what's your go-to phrasing on asking for that date? Yes. Uh, I think, I think it honestly just kind of depends on where we are in the conversation, but it can, I mean, if you sense it, say it like, Hey, it sounds like there's interest in leveraging Gong. Do you have an ideal date in mind for when you want to start using this? And then they'll either be like, Oh, well, actually we have X, Y, Z tech projects and we're trying to do this and we want to hire someone. And then you can kind of objection handle through that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, be like, I'm confused. Like you want to wait till you hire sales manager, which is going to take you six months. And in the meantime, have your team fly blind. Don't you think it would make more sense to get them on the platform now so that when your sales manager joins the team, they actually have data to learn from and then they know where the gaps are? Oh yeah, true, true. That's right. Yeah, let's do it now then. (laughs) But having like being able to handle that in front of them, they're going to have the objections in their head anyway. Being like you being able to have that conversation while they're on their phone with you is really powerful. Yeah. When you when you do pull up the mutual action plan, so there's another slide. So so basically they say, yeah, yeah, let's run a we'll say they agree, like we want to run a proof of concept. That so you're running, you're running two kind of action plans at the same time. One is going to be like around like process. Um, and then the other is going to be around like use case. At least that's how I think of it. And that's how we think about it at Gong. Mm-hmm. So I've got my process of like, 
I need to have ABC stakeholders involved. I need to have red lines finished by X date because that's when the pilot's going to turn off. We need to have commercials worked out by Y. Like you have all of that like big important things. But ultimately, none of that's going to work unless you're aligned to company priorities and actual challenges that they have. So this is this is a real, real but anonymized slide <laughs> of success criteria that I worked on with the, with a small company. And they had two big challenges that they told me about. The first was that they were launching an SDR team from the ground up. And there are all kinds of challenges, both in like building out playbooks and uh, certain numbers that they need to hit uh, in terms of what, you know, what they've modeled out and what they're predicting the SCR team will produce. And if they miss those numbers, that's going to negatively impact top line revenue in ABC ways. So how do we ensure that they hit that? So we're running discovery on that. And then the second challenge was that they needed to increase their cross and upsell opportunities. So they did a great, they're great at landing new business, but they are leaving a lot of money on the table because they have additional services that they could be selling. So what are the problems in that? Okay, great. We ran discovery around that. And then I'm like, I always imagine like, how does my product solve this, this, this problem? And what can I show them in a short period of time? And then I, I frame them as leading indicators because I'm not going to be able to get your SDR team up and running in two weeks. And I'm definitely not going to increase your conversion rate on cross and upsell in a two-week pilot. But what I am going to do is show you how you could use Gong and show you some of the gaps that you may not even know exist are today or validate some of the hunches that you have. So when I come to a success criteria conversation, I sit down with those different stakeholders and I say, hey, column A, company challenge is what you told me. Is this still the case? Do you have any other problems I need to be thinking about? Great. Here's what I can show you in Gong. These are the leading indicators we can work with. What do you think? And they say, great. And then they you know, go, yeah, this looks good, or we need to add X, Y, or Z thing. And then I ask them, I say, hey, based off of our discovery call, this, this, these are the numbers that you're throwing around. Does that still sound accurate? Does, does this sound like, does this sound right? I want you to tear this apart because we need to be able to justify budget for this. Or, hey, I don't know how much more revenue you're trying to attain from your growth accounts. I literally put a blank space there. Can we talk about that? And I use it as an opportunity to fill out gaps in my medic or, you know, whatever, um, quite, uh, you know, uh, methodology. Discovery, right. Yeah. And then from then at the end of the slide, once we've agreed, I'm like, great. Is there any reason why you mo wouldn't move forward if we meet all of this success criteria? And then we run discovery from there, depending on what their answer is. <laughs> Right. Then you're filling in gaps in your other process as well, where you're talking about timeline and when all of these steps are taking place, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Or they say, actually, well, we were thinking, we're thinking part of this might come out of marketing's budget. So they might say no. Okay. Well, why aren't they on the call? Yeah. I don't think that Bring we can launch table. this pilot. <laughs> I don't think we can launch this pilot until we get their approval on this. Yeah. Right. So, so then you can, you can, you can always withhold moving forward with your process until you get the right stakeholders involved or until you actually have success criteria that will move the needle for them to buy that you know you can fulfill. If you can't, yeah. fulfill, then you probably shouldn't be selling them whatever you're selling them. Right. 
then it's not a fit anyway. So we're not going to continue the conversation. Um, I want to ask really quick the everyone online here. Are you currently using a map? Just curious, like you're doing it every single time, only sometimes or like you have to hit a certain threshold <laughs> rarely or not yet and you want to. And while you're or after you take the poll there, we're about to jump over to q and I've got one more question for you, Sarah, before we do that. But um, you can upvote other people's questions in the Q&A section at the bottom of Zoom by using the little thumbs up button under their question. So if you want to do that, if you want to hear one answered more than the others, you can upvote someone's question that's already in there or add your own. But I, I'm curious to hear, Sarah, I know like for me, uh, just having this shared plan where it's me, my organization, them, their stakeholders, we're all at the table here together. It made such an impact on the way I was organized, the way I felt about my deals. I think it made a huge difference in close rate. What are the top two or three things this has done for you since you started using a success plan or a, a mutual plan with your prospects? Well, it, it pointed out a lot of gaps that I had. Um, like, I don't think anybody is born an amazing seller. It's like something that is learned over time. And even if you are incredibly persuasive and articulate, like you still have to follow a, a process when you're enterprise selling because, you know, only like 30% of the population is ever going to like you because of personalities. I don't know if that's true. I feel like I heard a statistic like that one time. So, um, like if they don't love you, <laughs> they got to love the process. <laughs> um, there's a process for that. So um, uh, so I guess the, so I started winning more pilots is the first thing. Okay. Um, and I used mutual action plans in conjunction with data that I'd gotten from Gong. Uh, and it's not a plug from for Gong, although it's kind of a plug for Gong, but um Part of the software analyzes, it analyzes behaviors as well as like content of conversation. And so I was running these mutual success plans correctly in that I was identifying the key challenges and had whoever was on the phone with me aligned to the problem and saying, yeah, we'll totally buy. But I wasn't, I wasn't wide enough or multi-threaded across the organization. So I didn't have those different people involved and I didn't know what their problems were and I didn't know the roadblockers. Mm -hmm. So so I was losing in the pilot. So then I started, so Gong kind of showed me, hey, you actually win more if you have a C-level executive involved. Here's all the deals that you're missing that without a C-level executive. And I started implementing talk tracks. Hey, if I tap your CEO on the shoulder today, would they sign off on this? Okay, great. Um, we, with this proof of concept, you and I are both going to work on this for multiple hours over a given period of time. It sounds like so-and-so is going to ultimately approve the budget. Before we move forward with this, can we get them on the phone and make sure that this checks the boxes for them? Because what I would hate is if you and I spend hours on this and it ultimately gets turned down. So can we figure that out beforehand? Otherwise, it, it might not be a good use of either of our times. That was a beautiful phrasing. I liked that a lot. Felt good. Felt natural. Thanks. Feels comfortable. It just it's just what came out of my mouth right now. <laughs> Beautiful. Loved it. 
I don't have go-to one-liners. I just sort of say what I'm thinking and hope that no one gets offended. <laughs> what was your, you had a line, I want to make a t-shirt out of it. You said it just earlier, like if you feel it, say it. What was your, what's your? Oh yeah, if you sense it, say it. I think, if you I think that's, that's, some, that's someone else. Someone else came yeah. up with that. But like it. Um, yeah, so amazing. Michael Malley and he'd be like, if you're thinking it on the phone, just say it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, don't sweat about the phrasing. Just say it because it needs to be said. We overthink a lot as salespeople. Let's jump into some of these questions here. Uh, If you're ready, are you ready for some questions? Okay, great. Ready. Um, But I'm ready. (laughs) Garrett asks, do you recommend developing a mutual action plan after demos or do you ever put it together in the discovery phase? Um, Yeah, so you can like typically I do a temperature check after discovery and figure out where we go from here. And um, usually my discovery calls are with one person and we need to get other people involved. And I have to enable my uh, buyer. They're not a champion yet, but I need to enable the person that I'm talking to to get those people involved, Mm -hmm. uh, bring them to the next conversation. And so I'll say like, what do you need? What do you need from me? How can I support you with that? What what are they going to want to see? Okay, great. And then I mentioned it before, but you can use something like Aligned, which is one of those, um, it looks like this. Can you guys see it? So the line right here, it's a picture of me looking like a dork, um, <laughs> gong and acne. You can, these are, these are like, um, like deal rooms. So you can, you can put things that they might need, like files with um, a case study in it or the plan of action that you need to implement in order to uh, move forward or different different slides depending on where you are in your in your sales process then you can build these out so if I've talked to someone in the discovery phase I feel good about it there's interest there's there's actual dollars and cents that I can start ascribing to their pain then I'm probably going to send one of these over at the end of our call explain how they can use it and then start monitoring if actual people are coming into the room and looking at the slides that I've sent over also, at the end of that call, I'm going to book a time to meet with those additional prospects, and I'm going to build out a slide around like pain points. And I'm going to want the end of that call to be moving forward to agree to a pilot. So I'm going to have some idea of what the mutual action plan should look like in order to get there, knowing that I might need to improv or move some things around. But like you should always know what is the objective of the call, like what's what's the outcome that you want. And yeah. So yeah. So you should you should have that. It should be running in the back of your brain always. <laughs> I think too, like Garrett, to your point, if it's an inbound and they already know about you, they're familiar with you, like different situation. It's like so situational as to where you present it um, or what you're selling. I know that's not what anyone wants to hear. <laughs> it depends, like such a sales answer. Okay. Debbie asked about what you use to create the plan. And you obviously just shared Aligned, which is great. There's so many use cases for it. What else have you used or what have... or have you seen? Yeah, before I started using Aligned, I was working on Excel spreadsheets, which are, they're great. They're not pretty, but they're great. They work. So I use like different, I had different tabs and I would have, uh, the first tab is just like, what are the dates? And during that meeting, once we agree to the success criteria of what makes this look good, we also agree to the the go live dates for all of these things. When are we going to launch the pilot? When are we going to do the rep training? When are we going to do the leadership training? When are we going to do the insights call? 
And I have um, suggestions mapped out already because I have a timeline that I'm trying to drive and then I want them to agree to them. I'm also um, trying to avoid decision fatigue from my buyer. So I've planned everything already, knowing I'll probably have to adjust on the call, but that way they can say yes to the things that look good and only have to like uh, challenge me on the things that don't. That is so smart. That is so smart. If I see a page, 37 pages with like a whole bunch of blank fill in the blanks, like, yeah, I'll do this in 10 years when I get to it. (laughs) I'm never going to do it. (laughs) I know me and I'm not doing that. Right. Not going to happen. So if you just share, like, here's what I think it should be based on our conversations, they can tell you no. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, What's wrong? Like, what's wrong about this? Yeah. Let's just make edits instead of you having to do any of the lift. I already did that for you. Brilliant. Um, That's part of being like that trusted advisor. Now you're coming alongside them. You're showing them the way. I think it changes the relationship and gets that respect piece. You said not everyone's going to like you. They're going to respect you. That's the other thing is like they don't they don't bought they've never bought your software before. Like probably they've never bought your software before or if they are buying it, it's like the first time they bought something like this in five or 10 years. Right. How often do people replace their CRM? Like never. So if you happen to be, you know, HubSpot incumbent to Salesforce, you got to educate them on what they need to know, how long like that migration is going to take, how to what we evaluate. You got to teach them how to buy. Even if you sell something that everybody knows about, like you sell it every day, they buy it once a year, max. Mm-hmm. So teach them how to buy it. Yeah. Like you don't go to the mall and not, not well, maybe you do, but if you're, you usually try it on. <laughs> do people so, go to malls? I'm just kidding. I love a mall. <laughs> I used to work at the mall. I used to, I used to work at the buckle and I was, and you always get someone to try on the clothes and then you teach them about the fit, why it works or doesn't work. And then you can them on it and then you bring them the jeans that they should be trying. Sales forever. This is just everything in life is sales. I um I do think Debbie to your question like it depends on what your company approves. So if it can be Dropbox or Google Docs or whatever that is, um, Aligned is a great one too that Sarah showed, and we'll get you a a link to them as well here. Couple more questions. Um, when Garrett, when you are creating a map, do you typically schedule them out? ahead of time or as needed. So all of those milestone meetings that you had on your purple slide there, are you booking those all ahead of time as much as possible? All ahead of time. All ahead of time. All ahead of time. Everything's calendared because the worst case scenario is we move it. The best case scenario is they show up and we get it done. And the better best scenario is two days into the pilot, they go, damn, this is so good. We should just buy right now. I'm ready. (laughs) Which sometimes happens. Sometimes you're super lucky, but not not usually. So yeah, I schedule everything because, you know, if I'm trying to get a CRO on a call, that person's calendar is just like multiple colors of blocks of time that are filled by other people. Yeah. And I'm not going to get a meeting with them 24 hours with 24 hours notice. I I need to book that two weeks or three weeks in advance. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, like just me trying to get on the phone with a VP of sales. He met me a week ago. He can't meet me until first week of September. Again, he's very interested. He wants to pilot. So I'm going to have everything mapped out beforehand. And I'm definitely going to, and I have to work with his, you know, executive assistant to get everything scheduled. But yeah, um, 
get it all on the calendar. And then I, I add meetings ad hoc with power users when I run proof of concepts, which is so basically like I'll look at usage and then I'll, you know, say, hey, Leslie, I noticed you're a power user gong. You want to customize your instance so we can make sure you're maximizing this trial. And then you'll usually email me back and say yes. And then I'll meet with you. And then I'll take quotes of all the nice things you say about Gong and put them in my insights call at the end. But like, I'm usually adding meetings. Those are the meetings that I add on the fly. Yeah, is you're it? creating additional champions internally. Yeah. And yeah. then at the end of that call, I always say, hey, Leslie, how much do you like Gong? Like, if, like, if you had sway over the purchasing decision, would you, would you want this? Would you buy it? And you're going to be like, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, like I'd be super happy to keep using it. Cool. Would you feel comfortable saying that to your manager? Like, would you be comfortable advocating? No, worries. Oh, okay. No worries. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Move on. Okay. Please advocate for me. Yeah, please do. And usually people will say yes because they were like a lot of times people pleasing, right? Yeah. Um, another question from Adam, and then we'll wrap up here. Where or do you see value in mutual plans for SMB, like all different sizes and types of businesses? Do you see that? Where do you see it? I mean, when you have an upfront contract in a call, that's a mutual action plan. When you agree to next steps at the end of the call, that's a mutual action plan. So even if you're doing a two-call close, you can still verbalize something and have that person agree to it and have them show up to the next calendar meeting. So, yeah, I mean, I have a mutual action plan with my husband to make a salad tonight and tomorrow we're going to go to a movie. Like, (laughs) they exist. They're just saying, we're going to do this. Great. When? Done. So, yeah, like, um, I do think that they're useful. If you're doing really short sales cycles, you don't need to have anything as detailed as what we discussed. Right. You're doing enterprise level. You're selling a multi-million dollar product your mutual action plan is going to be way crazier than what we just talked about. But the detail level, I do agree. I think like you can just shrink it down. If it's a, if it's like a a good or a product that you're selling, not so much. If it's something that takes any sort of back and forth, yeah, throw it together in a plan. Red light, green light. Yep. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, If you had like one piece of advice about like any sort of mutual shared plan with you and a prospect or a customer, like what's your one thing that you don't want to ever forget to do? You don't want to forget about the plan. A lot of times people will set it and forget it. Hmm. And so you're constantly being like, Next call. Okay, great. So, you know, this is our check-in call. Let's look at how we're doing. Hey, you know, where are we at with the security review? Hey, I sent over the MNDA, but I haven't got a signature back. When do you think you can get that to me? Do we need to change the timeline on this? Like, I'm concerned we're not going to meet blah, blah, blah. Like, don't forget that the plan, like, the it's like the Constitution. It's a living, breathing document, document, you know? So keep using it. (laughs) Just like the Constitution. Just like the Constitution. We're going to change the name. They're now called Constitution. This is your customer Constitution. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like you, like, don't forget it. Um, And then, you know, you should also be like reviewing it with your manager too, to figure out where the gaps are. 
Um, and and you're kind of like using it as a tool to measure up against those personalities that you're selling to. You said red light, green light. We didn't talk about this, but I always have like a mental system of who are my red lights, my naysayers, and how do I turn them yellow? Who are my yellows and how do I turn them green and how do I keep my green green? And uh, ultimately, like if you have enough yellows and greens and hardly any or no reds, then you're going to be able to close the deal. Better point. Yeah. And having a second set of eyes, like that's such a great tip is having your manager's eyes on it too. Yeah. Not for them to micromanage you, but for them to actually use their brains to strategize. Right. (laughs) Help, Help fill in some gaps. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and some real life examples um, again, we do a free show every day. So tomorrow your host is Sydney. And you talked earlier about um, overcoming fear. You sense it, say it, right? She's talking with a few sales leaders about overcoming that fear. Uh, I'm going to share Sarah and my LinkedIn profile in the chat here so you can connect with both of us and you can find us at sellbetter.xyz. I'm Leslie D and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one, everyone. See you guys. Bye.